Harriet the Spy by Louise Fitzhugh, Chapter 8 When Harriet started her spy route the next day, she decided to visit the Robinsons first, because the day before she had seen an immense crate delivered to their house, and she couldn't wait to see what was in it. The Robinsons were always moody right before they bought something, and this time they had been moody for a week, so she figured this must have been a whopper of a purchase. She sneaked up to the window. There was the crate. It sat squarely in the middle of the living room. How did they get it in, she thought, and then she saw that it would go through the door with just about an inch to spare all around. Mrs. Robinson was running around in ecstasy. Mr. Robinson was hopping up and down on one foot. A railway express man was starting to unpack the crate. A crowning achievement, said Mr. Robinson. A joy, such a joy, said Mrs. Robinson, completing a circle. Wait till, just think what they'll... They were so excited they didn't bother to make sentences. The railway express man ignored them. He worked steadily and noisily until the front section was ready to be pulled away. Harriet held her breath. The front panel came away, exposing nothing but sawdust. Well, thought Harriet, that does it. But then the sawdust was being pulled frantically away by Mr. and Mrs. Robinson, who had leaped forward in their eagerness, pushing aside the railway express man. There! There! screamed Mrs. Robinson. And there indeed was the strangest thing Harriet had ever seen. It was an enormous, but enormous, perhaps six feet high, wooden sculpture of a fat, petulant, rather unattractive baby. The baby wore a baby cap, huge white dress, and baby booties. The head was completely round and carved out of a butcher's block so that it resembled a beautifully grained newel post with a face carved in it. The baby sat on its diapered bottom, feet straight out ahead, and fat arms curving into fatter hands which held, surprisingly, a tiny mother. Harriet stared. Mrs. Robinson exclaimed with her hand to her heart, She is a genius! This was too much for even the railway man, railway express man, who could contain himself no longer and said, Who? rather rudely. Why, the sculptor. She's marvelous. She's brilliant. She's a white star in the firmament. Yeah, a dame made that? He gaped. If you finished, Mr. Robinson looked pompous. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just have to carry out the junk. Where do you want her, it? Darling, I think the corner behind the entrance, so that it isn't seen immediately. You know, and then it will dominate the room from the couch. It'll do that all right, said the railway express man, picking up the extra in handfuls and stuffing it into the crate. Just be kind enough to remove this without comment, said Mr. Robinson huffily. The baby was rolled into a corner and the crate removed by the grinning workman. Harriet left Mr. and Mrs. Robinson holding hands and gazing at it in speechless joy. She went down the street and wrote in her book. Ogali is right. There's as many ways to live as people, she says, but wait till she hears about this thousand-pound baby. Oh, I forgot. She paused and looked into space. When somebody goes away, there's things you want to tell them. When somebody dies, maybe that's the worst thing. You want to tell them things that happen after. Ogali isn't dead. She slammed the book shut, feeling something akin to rage. Then she got up and headed over to the DeSanti family. Nothing much was happening in the front of the store, so she crept around to the back to watch little Joe Curry. He was in full command of an array of food that would have fed the Marines for a week. He munched happily. Harriet was wondering if the kids had been there yet, when suddenly the phone rang inside the store. Little Joe looked guiltily and started to hide things just in case. 
when there was a blood-curdling scream from the front of the store. Little Joe was so startled a piece of bread fell right out of his mouth. Harriet dashed around to the front. Mrs. DeSanti was being held by Bruno in a half-faint, though which she managed to scream as loud as a dying opera singer. Echo! Echo! He is killed! All is lost! Dio! Dio! No, Mama, just an accident. Bruno began looking helplessly at Papa DeSanta, who was hanging up the phone. Dead! Killed! Truck smashed to bits! Dio! Dio! Mio figlio! And she swooned. Bruno looked as though he might drop the considerable weight. So did Papa DeSanti. So Papa DeSanti rushed to help him. As he did, he said, Mama, Mama, the truck is not smashed. Fabio is not smashed. Nothing is smashed but his head when he gets here. A fender. That's all it was. A fender. Signora DeSanti revived immediately and started to run up and down the store, waving her arms wildly and screaming in Italian. The customers stood around like frozen food. She ran up and down, up and down, finally gathering so much momentum that she crashed into the storeroom, there discovering little Joe with a whole cucumber in his mouth. Nico, not bad enough, stealing us blind and gathering all up and gathering up all the food in one arm and little Joe by the ear, she came catapulting back into the store. The family stared open mouth. The customers came alive and started to edge toward the door, feeling that this was perhaps too much. Mama, mama, tea calma. Papa DeSanta, seeing the evidence of little Joe's treachery, began to scream himself, a long stream of frightening sounding words. But Papa, Bruno screamed to be heard, where is Fabio? Is he hurt? Is he in the hospital? Him? Him? He's fine. What would happen to him? It's the truck. The truck is smashed. Papa DeSanti managed to get this out, then went back to screaming at little Joe. Fired! You're fired! We're not running a restaurant! Suddenly, the front door tinkled, then slammed, and there was utter silence as they all turned to see Fabio standing there. He had a minuscule patch of plaster on his forehead. My son! screamed Mama DeSani and rushed toward him. You're hurt! He's hurt! Papa, look, he's hurt! And she flung himself at him with such force that Fabio was hurled back against the door. It's nothing, nothing, Mama, he said, smiling. She straightened up, looked at him hard for one minute, then slapped him across the head. Your father work with his bare hands for that truck. Work hard, not like you work hard. Understand? The family watched this in awe, as did Harriet. Fabio turned red and tears sprang into his eyes. Mama, he began, don't mama me. You no son of mine, no son of mine. She raised one finger aloft to the ceiling from this day forward. Mama, Papa DeSanti interrupted, don't, don't yet. Let's see what the boy has to say for himself. Harriet felt wildly curious. Fabio shot a grateful glance at his father. He looked terribly embarrassed. He fidgeted in his pockets until he found an old bent cigarette, which he put in his mouth. It hung there, broken. Maybe, thought Harriet, he can't talk without it. The whole family was looking at him. He bent his head apologetically, then began in a low voice. I didn't want to tell you till later. I, Papa, he looked up at his father in a very sad way. I just can't. I can't help it. I just don't want to be in the grocery business. It's not your fault. It's just to be stuck in a store all day. I don't, it's just not for me. So I, he took a deep breath. I took another job. You what? Mama and Papa DeSanti said in one breath. I took, I took another job. 
only the only thing is you need a car for this job. I'm a salesman. He looked frightened, Harriet thought. Well, well, well. Papa DeSanti looked totally amazed, then an enormous broad grin spread over his face. Son, you're you're working? Mama DeSanti looked as though she might faint again. Yes, Mama. And looking at his father, he laughed. I'm working. Santa Maria. Mama DeSanta fainted. Bruno caught her. Papa DeSanta uttered all sorts of exclamations and slapped Fabio rather hard, Harriet thought, on the back. The others gathered round with the exception of little Joe, who took this opportunity to grab a piece of Gorgonzola. Harriet tiptoed to the street, and there she sat down to write in her book. My, my, better than a movie. It's such a happy ending. I don't believe it for one minute. I bet that Fabio is up to no good as usual. Wait, he didn't say what he was a salesman for. I wonder what he's selling. I must come back tomorrow to see what happens to little Joe Curry. Harrison, Harriet went over to Harrison Withers' house. She looked through the skylight. Harrison Withers sat at his work table, but he wasn't working. He was looking out the window. His face was the saddest face Harriet had ever seen. She stared at him a long time, but he didn't move a muscle. She went across to the other skylight. There, she saw such a strange sight that she almost killed over. What she saw was an empty room, not a cat in sight. She ran back to Harrison Withers to see if perhaps she had missed seeing the cats. No, nor were they in the kitchen. She sat back on her heels. They got him, she thought. They finally got him. She leaned over once more to look at his face. She looked a long time. Then she sat down and wrote in her book, I will never forget that face as long as I live. Does everybody look that way when they have lost something? I don't mean like losing a flashlight. I mean, do people look like that when they have lost?